to be saved. If you don't have that desire, it's going to be pretty hard for you to pray. But here he says, my heart's desire and prayer for Israel is that they might be saved. All right, so let's just put that in terminology for us today. All right, I've been working up in St. Mary's. Hey, listen, my heart's desire and prayer since I have been here is that St. Mary's, the people in St. Mary's, would be saved. Okay? By the way, I'm just as passionate about Minster and New Bremen and New Knoxville and Fort Laramie and any other of these places around here, right? But you can say here that you've got a burden for them and you pray to God for this particular group or this area that they might be saved. So I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. You know, that's the case here where you live, isn't it? There's a lot of people who have a zeal for God. They want to know Him, but they are getting their information from the wrong sources and the wrong places and places that aren't preaching this book, places that preach tradition instead of this book. You know, and they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. And knowledge only comes from this book right here, from the Scriptures. And it goes on to say in verse number 3, For they, being ignorant of God's righteousness, and going about to establish their own righteousness, have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. Boy, I'm telling you. I know that this was what Paul was faced against here for the nation of Israel, but can I tell you it's the same thing we're faced against today? There are people who don't realize that they need literally the righteousness of God in order to get into heaven. They are trying to establish their own righteousness. They're trying to go to church to become righteous. They're trying to take the sacraments to become righteous. They're trying to live a good life to uh, gain their own righteousness. They're trying to do a lot of different things. But listen, our righteousness doesn't get us into heaven. God's righteousness does. How do we get that? Well, there's only one way, of course. It's by admitting that you can't get there on your own, that your righteousness has fallen short. And in fact, you're not righteous at all, but you're a sinner. By the way, the Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I'm a sinner, and you're a sinner. And the Bible teaches very clearly that because we are sinners, we deserve to spend an eternity separated from God in a very real place called hell. And the Bible says that that is where every person deserves to go. And then the Bible teaches us in Ephesians 2, 8, 9, that we cannot get to heaven in and of ourselves. The Bible says that salvation is not of works, lest any man should boast. In other words, we can't earn our way into heaven. And, of course, there's good news then that Jesus Christ died on the cross, was buried, three days later rose from the grave. And if we'll put our faith and trust in what He did for us, in His work for us, then we can be forgiven for our sins. Amen? Amen. Amen. Now, how do you pray for someone who doesn't know that so that they would know that? Okay? Turn to the, in your Bibles to John, chapter 16. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John, chapter 16. We'll start reading in verse number 7. The Bible says there, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. This is Jesus speaking, by the way. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. Is it expedient for you that I go away? For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. And when he is come, now he is talking about the Comforter, which is the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit is come, he will reprove the world of sin and of righteousness and of judgment. Of sin, because they believe not on me. Of righteousness, because they go to my Father and you see me no more. Of judgment, because the prince of this world is judged. I've already preached this while I was here, so I'm not going to dwell a lot on this. But listen to me. What is it that is needed in a person's life 
to get them to understand that they're lost and they need a Savior. It is none other than the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God. So what is it that you pray for? You pray for the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God in their life. Okay? You don't pray that you can convict them. Okay? You pray that the Holy Spirit would convict them. All right? And then we know that the Holy Spirit uses the sword of the Spirit, right, which is the Word of God, to convict men of sin. We know that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So we are praying then that people would share the Word of God with them so that the Holy Spirit can then use that Word of God to produce what in their life? Conviction. Conviction about what? Conviction about the fact that they are a sinner. Conviction about their lack of righteousness and their need for God's righteousness. Conviction for them that there is an eternal judgment day that is coming, that hell is real, that hell is eternal. Okay? That is what we are praying for for these individuals because that is the work of the Holy Spirit in the lives of lost people. So if you want to pray for somebody to be saved, you just pray that the Holy Spirit would convict the living daylights out of them. Does that make sense? I mean that he would be all over their case, that they wouldn't be able to go to sleep at night. Whatever it is that you want to pray, you just pray for them that the Holy Spirit would be all over them. Okay? Now listen to me. I believe firmly, 1 John chapter 5 teaches this, but if we pray anything according to the will of God, we know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the petitions that we have required of him. You with me? So therefore, if I pray according to the will of God, and this is according to the will of God, I can be trust, I can be assured, excuse me, that what's happening? That the Holy Spirit is convicting the living daylights out of them. You with me? Listen, I can be confident of that. Now, I don't go looking for validation with what's happening in their life. My validation is right in the pages of this book. So I don't have to look at what's happening. Okay, I don't have to observe their life to know what's happening. I know what's happening because I'm praying in accordance with the will of God that it would be happening. Okay? Now, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish, oh boy, do I wish that I could make somebody trust Christ as Savior. I wish I could, but I can't. Okay? Because that is their choice, and God's given every person free will, and God doesn't violate their free will, and I can't violate their free will. It's their choice, okay? But I can pray that the Holy Spirit would be riding their case. Okay? And I can be confident then that the Holy Spirit is riding their case. Okay? So, pray for lost people. And pray in confidence okay, that you know that God is going to be working in their life. By the way, if you're praying for someone to be convicted of the Holy Spirit of God, and they get worse, does that mean it's not working? No, that probably means it is working. Because they're rebelling against His working in their life. Okay? And so don't just, just be anticipating for that. Now, anyways, I really wrestled with that for a while, came to terms with that, came to faith about these things, and now I know when I pray for people, I know that God's working in their life. By the way, many of the contacts that I am leaving with you, I hope that you will pray that the Holy Spirit will be all over them. And that, they will be con- that He excuse me, will be convicting them of their sin, their lack of righteousness, a coming judgment day, and that they'll understand that there's a Savior named Jesus. Amen? who is God, if you were here in Sunday school this morning, Jesus, the Son of God, and that they will put their faith and trust in Him and Him alone. Amen. Amen. I'm telling you. Yeah. I get excited about that. <laughs> now what happens if they get saved? Well, that's a whole different ball game. All right? So turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Ephesians. We'll spend the next few minutes talking about this. And I'm not going to dwell on a whole lot of these uh, things and give a whole lot of description of them, 
but I am going to mention them. I am going to walk through several different passages. I hope that maybe you'll take notes on where these passages are so that you can do further study on them on your own. Okay? Uh, I have much to learn about this. I've, I, I, I just have a lot to learn. Okay? And I, I'm not this tremendous prayer warrior, but uh, I know that I'm not, and I'm working at it. Amen? And I hope that you're working at it, because we could probably all be better in our prayer lives than we are. Okay? All right, Ephesians chapter number 1. We'll pick it up in verse number 15. Again, Paul here speaking to the church at Ephesus. He says, Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my what? Okay, what is happening here? Paul, the church planter, okay, has gone to the churches of Ephesus, all right, and after he hears of their faith in Christ, he begins to pray for them. Okay? Now, whatever's about to come here in this passage, okay, it's just a list of what Paul is praying for these believers at Ephesus. So guess what that is? That's a list of things that we can pray for someone who's just trusted Christ as Savior. By the way, you could pray it for everybody in the church, I suppose. That's what he's doing, right? So you could pray this for anybody who's a Christian. Okay? One of the first things here is that, let me get up here and read it exactly because I don't want to mess up the, the wording of it here. He says, so let's just read it from verse 15 again. Wherefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and love unto all the saints, look at verse 16, cease not to give thanks for you. The first thing that you need to do if you want to pray for someone who's just trusted Jesus Christ as their Savior is be thankful for them. Is this starting to ring a bell? Have I preached this here before? to be thankful for them. I have. But there's people in this room who hasn't heard it before. And even still, it's going to be a refresher for those of us anyway. Because I'm leaving, and I want you to know how to pray for these people on this list, okay? Amen. Why is it that God would tell us first on the list that we need to be thankful for them? Work just started. Hmm? Because the work just started, that's great. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 2.8, that's how we started every soul winning class, wasn't it? That we would be willing not to impart the gospel of God only, but also our own souls to these individuals. It is not about seeing someone trust Christ as Savior and then done with that, move on, try to find somebody else. No, when a person trusts Christ as Savior, man, that's the beginning of the hard work. There's a lot of time that needs to be invested. There's a lot of teaching that needs to be taught. There's a lot of the Bible that that person probably doesn't know that they need to know so that they can then live a life that is pleasing unto the Lord. And I want to tell you, the first thing that you need to do is you need to be thankful for these individuals. All right? And I want to tell you just straight up why I think the Bible says this. Because you are not going to be thankful for them. Okay? They are going to frustrate you. They are going to annoy you. They are going to tell you they will be in church and they will not come. They are going to tell you all kinds of things and you're going to be disappointed and you're going to be let down. And when that happens, you need to get on your knees and you need to cry out and you need to thank the God. Thank God for that person. Okay? Paul is smiling at me. <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm thankful for you, Paul. Amen. I really am. Amen. Now, anybody and everybody on the list frustrates me except for Paul. See? See? 
No, you know what, Paul? You frustrated me sometimes, haven't you? Yeah. He has. You know? <laughs> all right, no more involvement from you over there, all right? <laughs> but you know what? Ephesians chapter 1, it's, man, I remember coming to the Bible <laughs> saying, God, I don't know how to pray for somebody who's just gotten saved. And the first thing he says to me is be thankful for them. And can I just tell you, when I was reading this, and when I was going through this the first time, I was not, I was not being thankful for people. This was about eight or nine months ago in my life. And the first thing God did was just rake me over the coals. Man, be thankful for them. Love them. Be thankful for them. Okay? Constantly, constantly, constantly. Just be thankful. And everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. If there was any verse that wasn't in the Bible, that'd be my pick. You know? But it is in the Bible, isn't it? Just be thankful. Be thankful for him. Okay? Let's go on down through the list here. Alright? Verse number 16. Cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Number, verse number 17. Here are the things that you can pray for them. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. Well, there's your whole topic right there. Right? A lot of people need wisdom. So pray for them to get it. Okay? What does it go on to say? That the Lord may give unto you, number one, the spirit of wisdom, and number two, revelation in the knowledge of him. Not only do they need wisdom, they need to know who Jesus is, don't they? And there's a whole lot more about Jesus than the fact that he's the Savior of the world. You with me? There's an awful lot to learn. So how do I pray for them? Well, this is how you pray for them. Pray for them that they would have the spirit of wisdom, that they'd have the spirit of revelation and knowledge of him. Look in uh, verse number 18. It says, the eyes of your understanding being what? Enlightened. That's a good prayer, isn't it? You would pray for these individuals that their eyes would be opened. The lost, the Bible teaches us, have been blinded by Satan. You with me? And so now what are you praying for? For the veil to be lifted, Amen. For their eyes to be opened. You pray this for people? We should be. This is what Paul prayed for people. And if Paul prayed it, then we can pray it. And I think the Holy Spirit wrote it in the Scripture so that we know how to pray for people. And this is what the Lord's been teaching me. Now, we want to pray for the eyes of their understanding to be enlightened so that, verse number 18, number one, that they may know what is the hope of His calling. Number two, what is the riches of the glory of the inheritance in the saints? And number three, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? And we can keep going. You know, a lot of people today, there are a lot of Christians today, they get saved and they know the power of God in their life for salvation. Are you with me? And then they never know the power of God in their life for anything else. So sad. They miss out on all the fun of the Christian life. The fact that the Holy Spirit of God indwells them and is there to help them. Are you with me? 
They don't know anything about what it means to be filled with the Spirit. They don't, they, they don't understand that, that there's more to God's power to help them live the Christian life every single day. Mm-hmm. And this is what you're saying. You're praying for them to know the exceeding greatness of God's power to them that believe. Mm-hmm. Are you with me? Amen. This is what you're praying. You're just praying for the eyes of their understanding to be opened. Okay? Now, go to Ephesians chapter number 3. And I hope you're taking notes. Ephesians chapter number 1 teaches this. Ephesians chapter number 3, uh, beginning in verse number 14, also teaches this. The Bible says there, For this cause I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Here he is again. He's praying. Okay? Verse 15, Of the whole family and heaven and earth is named. Verse number 16, here's what he's praying for them. That he would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his spirit, where? In the inner man. We kind of just touched on that, didn't we? You know, as you go through these passages, you will find that they have tons and tons and tons of crossover. Okay? Because there is tons of crossover. Okay? He's just praying and expressing his heart's desire and his burden for them to grow in the grace and the knowledge of our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. And this is how you do that, specifically. And then in verse number 17, it says here that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye being rooted and grounded in love. That'd be a good thing to pray right there. Verse number 18. That you may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth and length and depth and height and to know the love of Christ. Wow. Man, that's some good praying, isn't it? What do you, how do you pray for somebody who's saved? You pray that they would know the length, the depth, the height of the love of Christ and that they would know and be able to experience the love of Christ in their life. Verse number 19 continues, And to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that ye might be filled with all the fullness of God. Now I like verse number 20. And verse number 20 is a very familiar verse to us. It says, Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Now, we like to use this first, and we will take it and apply it to anything and everything, right? And I'm not so sure that that's uh, not acceptable, right? But in the context of the passage, it's talking about praying for people who are saved. And as you pray for people who are saved, one of the things that we need to keep in mind is who we're praying to. Because God is able beyond that which we think is possible. He is able to do exceedingly abundantly above whatever it is that our finite mind can comprehend for that person. That's kind of exciting. It's kind of exciting to know that here's a person who maybe has just trusted Christ as their Savior. They have no idea about anything really. You begin to pray for them. God has a plan for their life. God has a calling for that person's life. God has all of this stuff lined up for them, and what He wants for them to do, you don't know any of that, right? You just know that it's something, right? And you begin to pray, and you begin to express your desire, and your heart's content to the Lord, and you begin to pray that their eyes would be open, and they'd receive understanding, all these different things, right? You're praying for all of this, and God can answer your prayers far beyond your wildest comprehension. Could you imagine being the guy who led D.L. Moody to Christ? (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Wow. I wonder if that guy ever prayed for D.L. Moody that God would make something of him. 
I think he did, didn't he? And I bet it far outweighed what he thought was possible. You know, God's, God's not limited by a person's past. God's not limited by anything. <laughs> and if we will keep in mind who we're praying to, it'll keep us praying. Okay? It'll keep us praying. Look in Philippians chapter number 1. And again, admittedly, these things are repetitive. But I just want to show you, I started reading, and literally it is everywhere how to pray for people. Philippians chapter number 1, verse number 3. I thank my God upon every remembrance of you. Of course, he's praying for the saved people there in Philippi. Always in every prayer of mine for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he which has begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Boy, there's a lot of things that we can mention right there. You can pray in confidence that God is working in their life because he's going to keep doing it according to Philippians 1, 6. Right? And then verse number 7, even as it is meet for me to think this of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, ye all are partakers of my grace. Grace. For God is my record, how greatly I long after you in the bowels of Jesus Christ. And this I pray, what does he pray? That your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Pastor just preached this passage recently, didn't he? This is what we're praying. That they may, what? Verse number 10, that they may approve things that are, what? Just kind of mediocre? No. We're praying in Ephesians chapter 1 that they would have wisdom that they would have the spirit of the revelation of the knowledge of God. Why? So that they would be able to approve things that are excellent. You realize that if a person gets saved out of a life of sin and rebellion to God, that they don't even know what's excellent? So there's a lot to pray for. Are you with me? There's a lot to pray for here, that they would know what is excellent, that they would approve things that are excellent, that they may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ. Boy, I'm telling you, there's just so much here. There's so much that we can ask God for help with. You know, I think it would be a problem if we tried to go and make a person behave this way. It's not our job, okay? Yeah, we can certainly help them. We want to help them. We want to love them. But if there's going to be everlasting change in their life, guess who it's going to come from? It's going to come from God. And we need a partner with Him. We can't ramrod somebody into being obedient to the Scriptures. It'd be kind of nice if we could. I wish I could make people get saved. It'd be so much easier. And after they get saved, I wish I could make them obey the Bible. But I can't even make myself obey the Bible. You with me? So we pray, and we pray, and we pray to the God who can. Colossians chapter number one. I'm almost done. Verse number nine. For this cause we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you. And to desire that ye might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Boy, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Look at verse 10. That ye might walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, 
being fruitful in every good work, and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might, according to His glorious power, unto all patience and longsuffering with joyfulness, giving thanks unto the Father. I'm telling you, it's just, it sounds just like Ephesians, doesn't it? It is the same guy who's writing it, and it is the same Holy Spirit who's writing it, and is expressing His desire. Look in uh, Colossians chapter 4. We'll do this one and then we'll be done. Colossians chapter 4 tells us about a man named Epaphras in verse number 12 who really had a heart and a desire for the church at Colossae and for the believers there. And it tells us what he prayed. Colossians chapter 4 verse number 12 says, Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, saluteth you, always laboring fervently for you in prayers, that ye may stand perfect and complete in all the will of God. You could pray that, couldn't you? There's so much that you can pray. You got a lot of, uh, a lot of kids that come on the bus to this church. You got a lot that can, a lot of you can pray for those people about all those kids, right? A whole lifetime ahead of them. Man, who knows what God can do with them. It's amazing. It's neat. And we can't even comprehend what God has in mind. But we should be praying. We should be praying. Does prayer work? I have a long way to go to learn how to better pray for those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. I hope and pray that my study of the Scriptures, in order to learn to do something that I didn't know how to do, will maybe help create the same thirst in you. For me, God was and has been opening my eyes to the reality that I still don't really know how to pray. Therefore, I responded to searching the Scriptures, and I continued to search the Scriptures to find out how to pray. As it pertains to you, what is it that God has been stirring in your heart about lately? Maybe it's not prayer. Maybe it's something else. What is it that you need to go digging for? I suggest to you just jump in with both feet and go dig. My pastor in Tampa, the church there where I was called in the ministry out of, he, I wasn't planning to say this, so I'll try to get it right. He would, he would say that a hand-picked apple is better than a whole bushel that was given to you. What did he mean by that? He, he, the, listen, pastor, this is no slam on you. That's fine. But if you learn something from someone else's preaching and teaching, that's like somebody giving you something. But when you go pick it yourself, when you go looking for it and you find the answer and the Bible speaks to you, it just takes it to a whole new level. Let's pray. God, I want...